right. Uh, welcome to Flock Tales, where we drink and talk about birds, mostly. My name's Maya Percy. I'm Jen Schneiderman. I'm Kristen Bronk. And I'm Ashley Ola. And we are your four resident bird nerds. And we're going to talk about some more boobies today, everybody. Mm-hmm. Can't stop, yep. won't stop with the booby talk. Mm-hmm. And we're definitely not all recording underneath blanket tents tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but the sound is going to be great. The sound That's is going to be goal. so much better. It's going to yeah. be fun. <laughs> So Kristen told us about this and she heard it from somebody else. So we're trying it out to see if it actually helps our audio quality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we all are in varying degrees of struggle right now of trying to keep blankets off our microphone oh and God. our cameras at the same time. Milo it's real like fun. attacking me because this, I, so I stole Milo's favorite blanket to lay on and now he's like, hey, that's my blanket and I want oh. it back. <laughs> How dare you? You horrible, um, horrible monster. I know. <laughs> Such a bad dog mom. My, the the blanket that I'm using is on, it, it also smells like dog, mm. but it's on my <laughs> bed in my mom's guest room because he likes to come in and say hello in the mornings and my mom doesn't want him on the comforter. That, like, because it's nice, I guess. Mm-hmm. And also, so it really she, sucks to wash um, comforters. Totally. Yeah. yeah. On a queen size bed? Mm-hmm. Fuck that. So, so I have a dog safe blanket that I'm got over my head right now. Yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um mm-hmm. so I have I have a thing. I have I guess it's a plug mm-hmm. sort of, but also a surprise. Ooh, a what is it? Surprise mm-hmm. plug. That sounds wrong. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh. <laughs> Um, okay, so you may remember, uh, oh, loyal listeners, in the last episode we talked about, well, Ashley talked about blue-footed boobies, and one thing that we didn't really hit on was kind of the conservation status of blue-footed boobies, um, probably because we're going to hit on that later, but so basically blue-footed boobies are declining really quickly, and I just wanted to plug this kind of really cool little organization that is trying to raise money for blue-footed booby research and conservation. Um, and it's called mm-hmm. the Blue Feet Foundation. And so I linked to it on the website also. But basically, they sell blue-footed booby socks. And then <gasps> oh, they put the awesome. money... Yeah, so they put the money towards the Galapagos Conservancy and the Charles Darwin Foundation, which are both, uh, like, Ecuadorian-based organizations that work for conservation of the Galapagos and blue-footed boobies. Uh, um, I think I need blue-footed booby socks. I was just going <laughs> to say, so I went on and I ordered each of us a pair of blue-footed booby socks. <gasps> You're the best! It's almost Valentine's Yay. Day and I love all of you, so... Aww. <laughs> Aww, I love you too! You didn't have to do that! That will support blue-footed booby conservation. We uh, can so tw- listeners be twinsies. Well, we I guess twins match. is two quadruplets. <laughs> <laughs> we can be matching quadruplets. Yes. yes. Oh, so oh stoked. Yeah, dude. Can you imagine if the four of us actually grew up together? I'm imagining that. Oh now. my Would we like each other Ooh. this much? What? I don't know. Would we still like each other? <laughs> I don't that's what I was wondering, is I'm not sure. Uh. My blanket. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm starting to feel kind of claustrophobic under here. Oh no! <laughs> Put your feet outside of the blanket. That's what I I'm doing. I have my arms and my feet outside, but then you can't see my face. <laughs> my blanket port. <laughs> this is very exciting, everybody. All of our listeners, this is very exciting. We've never tried this before in the blanket forts, but it's it's also very um hectic at the same time. Yeah, yeah. a little hectic, but pretty cool. <laughs> Just never, never imagined I would ever be recording a podcast (laughs) in a blanket fort (laughs) like this. I do have to say it does make our uh, our video chat um, feel a little bit more intimate. Like we're all just like hiding under our blanket fort together, and it's like kind of adorable. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Wait, is this like okay? So sorry, this is total a total sidetrack, but. Uh, okay, so you are a child, right? And you're playing hide and seek. Mm-hmm. Did still, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did anyone else like whenever you actually hid, like immediately you had to go pee? Yeah, is that yeah. just like a thing? I don't think no, so. I think it's just like, <laughs> but I really don't remember playing <laughs> no. hide and seek that much. What? Or like in that oh. much detail that I remember if I had to pee or not. Well, it's like a traumatic thing of like you find a really good hiding spot and then all of a sudden you're like, ah, I fucking need to go pee. Okay, yeah. well then apparently I've never experienced that. <laughs> Did you guys ever play Ghost in the Graveyard? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's one where at least two of my friends just peed themselves during that game. It's <laughs> Probably so scary. from laughing. Yeah. what is that game it's like similar to hide and seek like but you play it like outside at night and like ideally Mm -hmm. in a graveyard Mm -hmm. and it's like one person the ghost goes and hides and everyone else goes and tries to find him and they like eventually like jump out from wherever they were hiding and try to (laughs) we always had flashlights too and Mm -hmm. i feel like that added to the ambiance oh yeah oh my god right we should play this game in real life now oh we should oh my god i haven't played it (laughs) since i was like 12 (laughs) such a classic Uh uh-huh where I grew up, mm-hmm. uh, there were not a lot of like local small graveyards that you could access without needing to go through a gate. Mm-hmm. So I could not play this game. But we played sardines. Oh, sardines. that's another classic. You've never played sardines, Ashley? No. Oh, it's where you hide. Like there's like one person that hides, and then everybody goes look. Everybody else goes looking for them, and when you find them, you have to cram into the same hiding spot as oh, them. What? That's yeah, amazing. This is not the game I was thinking of. Oh, what's the game you were thinking of? Uh, so it's like, I'm trying to remember how it worked. There were like people in the middle who were sharks and then everyone else like lined up on two, like on both sides. Oh, and then, like, like sharks whenever... and minnows. We sharks used to play that. that. Yeah. That must be what oh, I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah. I have 100% played yeah. that. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. I'm not thinking of sardines. Wait, but that sounds really fun, all squishing into the same hiding spot. <laughs> yeah, and if you were a dick, you picked a hiding spot that, like, two people could fit yeah. in, and then... <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a blast. It was, yeah. It's a bunch of just, like, eight-year-olds, like, cramming yes. into random spaces in somebody's <laughs> house or yard was pretty legit. Wait, y'all play Red so Rover, good. right? Yeah. Red That's how you yeah. injure people. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah fun. we got it's like half the fun. It got banned from recess. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> Same at my school. <laughs> I think, yeah. Pokemon cards got banned from my school mm. and Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Why? Why? Because people were trading them for like real world money. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love yeah. it. There were some industrious children. Okay, but uh, like in elementary school. Are those the same students that later uh turned into trading other things for real world money instead of cards in high Are you school? asking about drugs? Yeah. I was trying to be nice oh. though. <laughs> so like, subtly. <laughs> I I could not tell you. Um I don't know. Because I didn't do drugs. I legitimately did not do drugs until I was in college, and then I did drugs. Dude, yeah, I was such a good a good little straight arrow. I probably yeah. missed out on so much. I know. Don't <laughs> the do North drugs, kids. Effect. <laughs> so, yeah. boobies? So, uh, so boobies? So, boobies. Here we go. <laughs> so, uh... We're going to pick up where we left off last week with the next booby species, which is the Peruvian booby. So uh, good. They're so cool. Yeah, I didn't... Okay, this is... I didn't realize there were so many species of boobies until we started doing this research. And this is a really awesome one that I honestly had no idea existed. Um mm-hmm. They live, obviously, like off the coast of Peru, but also southwest Colombia um, and most of Chile, not like the very southern part, um, pretty much where the Humboldt current goes. So this like cold upswelling of water and they are really, really abundant along the coast. I was looking at <laughs> videos of them before we started recording and like, uh, I guess I've just never been in a seabird colony that was just so dense and so chaotic. But I would highly recommend looking up some YouTube videos of this because it's wild. Just watching them like fly back in. Like, yeah, like where do you even think you're going to land? Like, just <laughs> solid birds everywhere. Right. And then every time one that like comes in and tries to land, all the birds are like trying to bite it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah completely um so yeah the peruvian boobies look a lot like blue-footed boobies which we talked about last week um except they don't have bright blue feet and their bill is kind of dull too um but they actually um occasionally will hybridize with the blue-footed boobies i was just reading about this right before yeah which is kind of wild um and it's funny, usually it's a female Peruvian booby that is mating with a male blue-footed booby because of the uh, oh. the captivating displays that the blue-footed boobies do. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just like a little bit better than the Peruvian boobies. bright <laughs> so like, Most of the time, that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, a little hybridization. They're super closely related. Hmm. Um, Can't resist those feet. Mm-mm. Yeah, apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Peruvian boobies are pretty similar to a lot of the other species, but I just love the descriptions of the sounds that they make. Mm-hmm. Um, the female Peruvian boobies are described as making trumpet-like quacks to honks. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what that sounds like. I tried to look up a good video or like recording of that, and I couldn't find one. Um mm-hmm. 
the male booby, on the other hand, tends to whistle, which oh. is pretty sweet. And it takes both both of them a few years to figure out like how to make that vocalization. Huh. Um, Can anybody yeah. do a wolf whistle? Yeah, that one. <laughs> no, you you fucking killed it. That's just a, I'm imagining that's what the Peruvian booby males sound like. The right? males, yeah. yeah. They mm-hmm. That was clearly an upland sandpiper. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> that would be so cool. Such just a, sweet a spaceship. Night. <laughs> <laughs> we got a whole colony of those. <laughs> oh, it'd be so good. That'd be really cool, actually. Uh, or would it be like kind of like, you know, when sounds are really close to each other and are just really like clashing mm. and grating? Mm-hmm. I wonder if it'd be like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like any of the booby colonies that I've been to are always loud it's always loud yeah. and everything is covered in like at least a thin layer of shit <laughs> it's just how it is uh yeah i guess peruvian booby colonies are also really important for guano production mm-hmm. so very true very true um, hey what's guano maya oh yeah it is a lot of usually seabird shit but sometimes also bat, right? Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> Is there a better way yeah. to say that? <laughs> no. But like, no, what it's do they cool. Do it's it? used in uh, like farming practices a lot, like organic agriculture. It's a good fertilizer. And so they'll go into the colonies and like harvest tons of it. It's crazy. I guess, uh, yeah, Peruvian boobies are the second most uh, like producer of guano among all the seabird species i don't know what the first one is i think there's another uh i think there's a cormorant species that lives in that area that is also their colonies that are harvested for guano Um, yeah yeah. it's a pretty big thing i didn't realize but it's like crazy because these seabirds have been nesting on these same colonies for hundreds or more years right so there's just mm-hmm. decades and centuries of bird poop i mm-hmm. guess that can be harvested mm-hmm. yeah so i was just reading that um like ticks and fleas are a huge problem for mm. them when they're nesting oh. so they like eventually like the abundance of ticks just builds up until after i think after years they have to abandon the nests Mm. because like the chicks won't survive anymore Uh yeah which is crazy but i guess harvesting the guano actually like reduces the tick and mite population and so it just makes me wonder like what happened before that it was harvested would they just move to a new yeah i guess so Right, like all yeah. freaking <laughs> three million of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. How fast do you guys think a Peruvian booby or any booby <laughs> could fly? <laughs> I'm going to say uh, 60 miles an hour, which seems really fast. But uh, yeah. I'm thinking they might be able to get up to like 80 or 90 when they go into their plunge dives. See, but that's mm. diving. That's not flying. Different just, yeah, things. just their like oh. powered flight. Horizontal mm. powered flight. <laughs> I feel like Ashley hit the number, so I'm afraid to say <laughs> more or less. That was just a guess I pulled out of thin air. So, 
I'm going to say 75 because I feel like I have to one-up Ashley and it'll still be <laughs> wrong. Right, I'll, take, I'll take lower then. 45? 50? Okay, it's 85 miles wow. an hour. Oh my god! That's <laughs> <Wow. laughs> <freaking> wild! <laughs> That's so fast! I know! I mean, I'm sure this is like with the wind helping them and stuff too. <laughs> they don't Damn. look like they should be able to fly that fast. No, mm-hmm. like I think it's scary that they can fly that fast. <laughs> <laughs> it is a danger. <laughs> yeah, I mean they are pretty aerodynamic. Yeah, I mean they have to like they are. get through the water, so they're sort of just like torpedoes. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Yeah, this shape that they make like right before they go into the water is uh-huh. so cool. Their wings like out at a right angle, kind of. Mm-hmm. They just don't yeah. look very bird shaped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> um, so, ooh, I just wanted to go back to their nesting habits for a minute because I found this really funny thing that was talking about the competition between um, Peruvian boobies and brown pelicans, which is like a, <laughs> a slightly larger seabird, um, and then also a species of cormorant. I can't actually didn't write down what kind it was. Um, but yeah, so these three are always just kind of fighting it out for nesting habitat, either on these cliffs or in salt flats and sand flats. And I guess the, um, the cormorants and the boobies are pretty well matched and they like often have these standoffs where they end up just kind of like standing next to each other, displaying a lot, but nothing really happens. And then those two both go after the brown pelicans who just don't care. (laughs) And they're like jabbing at the pelicans and doing these elaborate like head shaking and like parade threats. And the pelicans are just kind of like going about their day. (laughs) I imagine like two small like Jack Russell terriers yapping at like a lab and the lab just being like, I don't whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't actually, Kristen. Do you know how much bigger pelicans are? I mean, they're quite a bit bigger. I don't they know. are okay. I wouldn't say they're quite double the size, but they're uh huh, like pretty substantial. Yeah. Okay. So the Humboldt Current or the Peruvian Current is this really important uh, cold, like upswelling of water, and this is important because there's a really dense um like fish population there the marine community is just like really incredible and so the uh peruvian boobies can actually forage most of the time within five kilometers of their nest which is like right offshore basically uh, in these shallow uh, waters how convenient yeah, yeah. prime nesting A lot of... habitat <laughs> <laughs> yeah they they nailed it a lot of similar species will have to or maybe not have to, but tend to go out to sea for like days at a time. Mm -hmm. And these guys tend to go for a few hours and then Mm -hmm. spend a lot more of the time back at their nest. And there is a couple times when the El Nino effect during El Nino years, obviously had like really drastic effects on this ocean, Mm -hmm. ocean current. Wow. And, um, it caused the temperatures to rise by a few degrees Celsius, which like just totally shut down the current. And then the fish populations, especially the anchovy populations, crashed. And so the booby population has had these like wild fluctuations over the past couple decades, which is obviously like pretty concerning. 
Um, they're listed as least concern right now on IUCN. And in general, their population is pretty large, but it's just like prone to these crazy drops. Like it's really just tied to the, the food um, availability in the ocean, which is obviously like rough because El Nino is getting worse and worse uh, with climate change. And then also there's a lot of commercial anchovy fishing in those waters. Um, and so there's like a lot of question about if these birds are going to be competing with the, the fishermen and if they're also just following the boats and potentially like experiencing mortality because of that. It can just be dangerous around fishing operations on that mm-hmm. scale. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there's a researcher uh, from Lima, Peru, um, Dr. Carlos Zavalaga. I think oh. that's how you say his name. Dude, Do you know him? He's in Pacific Seabird Group. Yeah. Oh, oh he's, he's really, really awesome. cool. He has a couple videos actually of him like describing his research while he's standing in the middle of one of these colonies. And it's so <laughs> cool. Everyone should look it up. It's really fun. Yeah. But he and his students are putting trackers on individual birds and then they go out to sea to forage. So they're able to kind of follow like their foraging patterns and get information i think he even said like about the the sea surface temperature from these trackers Mm -hmm. but it's dependent on catching the birds the same individual bird when it comes back (laughs) to like get the tracker to get all the information that was stored on it like they don't transmit that anywhere and so there's a lot of like time spent deciding like which bird to track and Mm -hmm. what stage its nest is at like if the chicks are um, like small to medium size, then there's like a really good chance of the adult returning, but like not necessarily on either side of that. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting stuff. And yeah. I don't think, I think this is all happening like right now, kind of. And so we don't know yet about these fisher, these like fishing operations. Um, <sighs> but yeah, hopefully soon. Do you know any more about it, Kristen? I mean, I don't, not specifically about Peruvian boobies, but it's just like seabird science has come so far in the last like 10 years when all like with the advance of all these little trackers like geotags Mm -hmm. and things like accelerometers that can tell you like how fast they're diving and how deep they're diving and how cold the water is Uh, and how long they were underwater like yeah I mean things are moving really fast in the seabird world right now with trackers improving tracker technology improving like it is it's really cool oh that's awesome Yeah, because it just really seems like the kind of information that you couldn't get any other way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Yeah, nope. just also so exciting, the idea of like getting the seabird back and like having this recording with all that information on it. Just mm-hmm. sounds like mm-hmm. such a fun research adventure. But yeah, this sounds like maybe this lab or this group of researchers has done a lot of studies on the Peruvian booby population and then like several other seabird species and like trends um, in ocean habitats like this. But I also (laughs) found this one paper that from 2009 um, that was making a time budget for individual uh, Peruvian boobies within a population on this one offshore island. Oh, cool. And I just love, like, behavioral studies where they figure out time budgets for animals. (laughs) (laughs) In this case, uh, the adults spent 92% of their waking time flying, 6% sitting on water, and 2% diving. (laughs) 
Wow. Wow. Which is just, yeah, crazy that they spend that much time flying. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want someone to come and make a time budget of what I do during the day. <laughs> I know. I yeah. think about that all the time. <laughs> I wonder if I'd even want to see it, though. I'd just be like right? sitting no. at desk. It would be horrifying. <laughs> like, <laughs> sitting at desk pretending to be working but really looking at social media. Right, that's right? like 48%, 32% like foraging in the kitchen, but like not actually eating anything, just like looking for things just that like you might want to eat. Opening the fridge yeah. and hoping new food will appear. 10% yes. like unsuccessful forage. Yeah. <laughs> Capture rate is really yes. low. Yeah. And then your handling rate or your handling capabilities, especially with like a new jar of pickles mm. you haven't opened. Oh my god, yeah. Uh, and then yeah. you can't get it open and then you have to wait for your partner to get home because they have bigger muscles. <laughs> and by yeah. that point you don't want pickles anymore because you're angry at the pickles. <laughs> yeah, fuck pickles. Do you do you ever say uh, like if you have someone else open a jar for you that you can't get open? Do you just say that they could get it open because you obviously loosened it? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, obviously. Okay. <laughs> My ego will not let me not say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, this is like a pre-COVID thing when you could like have a lot of people together and just like pass the jar like for yeah. <laughs> like a while till it finally opens. Uh, Mm-hmm. Someday. Aww. <laughs> wow, miss that. Yeah. Who knew? <sighs> I'm sad about it. Would talking about boobies <sighs> help? Yeah, obviously. Okay. Boobies Always. are great. Woo. Yeah. Uh I think that's all I had. So your your turn then. Eh? Oh fuck yeah. Okay. I <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to be talking to all of you about Nazca boobies, and ah. it's very fitting that we're talking about them in the same episode because they are found in a very similar, like, geographical location. Um, they are found off the coast of Peru. Like, their habitat range is primarily in the Galapagos Islands, um, but they can go, like, further north or south. They're seen, like, foraging further north or south. And I feel like slightly, I should say, I feel slightly intimidated talking about these because Kristen saw a fuck ton of these bad, bad mofos uh, when she was <laughs> on uh, doing all of her field work before she started grad school. So I hope I do you justice. Oh, you should not be intimidated. You can't say anything wrong about Nazca boobies. <laughs> I mean, I could just say something that's factually incorrect. Yeah, but I probably wouldn't know because spending time with them, like, I don't you see only so much, right? Like you still have, there's a lot of holes. Mm. In my knowledge. But they are special. So I found this really interesting. Nazca boobies. I went like on, I sort of went on a slight rabbit hole that was also yes. a tangent of Nazca. Um, so some people might have heard the word Nazca from the Nazca lines. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about these? Mm-mm. Yes. No. So, yeah. Nazca lines are this like incredible, um, it's artistry basically, uh, that were responsible for like, um it was this culture that has largely unfortunately uh been like really uh oppressed and all of that kind of terrible Mm. stuff that colonialism tends to do Mm. um from their like 
indigenous like the, the indigenous population has been pushed a lot out of their um ancestral lands and stuff like that um but the nazca lines are this really really incredible uh very intricate and huge art forms that can be seen from satellite images mm-hmm. um like that's how big they are they're also known as like geoglyphs um one of the theories behind their formation is that they can be like seen by deities in the sky um we don't really know unfortunately um but the nazca lines are super intricate and they depict things like birds and um trees and condors and herons um lizards and spirals they're very geometric and they're super beautiful and a lot of it is like very indicative of um, what these people might have experienced in like everyday life like there's one that's a spider um, mm-hmm. and a dog so it's just really oh, really cool that's so fun oh, these where are was so their cool. like homeland yeah. you said they were pushed out of yeah mm-hmm. where um where? Yeah, where yeah where was it oh sorry it's in like a uh, coastal peru okay oh, okay that makes sense yeah sorry i should have said some that. of these ants mm-hmm. the ant one is really cool yeah they're all over they're so cool um there's also one that's kind of like a giant human which is super interesting did you come Um, across any alien conspiracy theories while you were looking these up you know i did not but i didn't look for them and i'm sure there are a lot of them i feel like (laughs) i've seen one of those late night you know history shows that turns into weird alien conspiracy theories yeah Yeah. ancient aliens (laughs) (laughs) yeah right um but yeah so nazca is um uh nazca was a city and a system of valleys that is in southern coast of peru um and the word nazca has quechua roots which is the language of the indigenous people of that area the nazca boobies are the largest booby um, <laughs> they are super pretty they look very sleek and clean compared to what you think of when you think of like a blue footed booby they're mostly white and they have black primary and secondary feathers on their wings um, this really beautiful like orangey yellow kind of very pointed bill and they have a little bit of black like over their eyes and kind of in like a ring around uh, where their bill sort of meets the rest of their face so these Nazca boobies uh, nest on cliffs, uh, on or near cliffs, on bare ground with basically no vegetation, sort of in like your typical seabird colony, I guess, um, with super, uh, with a lot of individuals all packed into an incredibly tight space. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> like sardines? They're just so funny, all packed in there. I know, yeah. <laughs> they are, they're like, it's like they're playing sardines. <laughs> yeah, <really. laughs> um, uh, yeah, so uh, males will defend territory pretty much year-round um, because they also, like, forage, like, close to where they nest relatively speaking um and the they do all of the like things that we've already mentioned like sky pointing which includes like kind of fluffing your wings out and uh extending your neck and pointing your bill up towards the sky 
<laughs> the, the male Nazcas will do this to indicate to potential like female mates that they're available. And then when the females return the gesture by sky pointing, it doesn't necessarily mean that they like want to mate right then. It's okay, now impress me. <laughs> it's like you have my attention. Now tell me why I should why you should still have it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So after <laughs> that, like the it. males will Yeah. I know. It's like, all right, you have my time. Well, that's <laughs> so let's see she's like let's see what you've got um and at that point the male will then just offer gifts to the female oh yeah um things like little pebbles or nesting material like nesting material is very sparse for these birds but like it'll be a rock basically (laughs) like they'll just offer a bunch of rocks decorated yeah (laughs) it's super cute Uh, (laughs) and um yeah, so as soon as the male, like, these birds, like most other booby species, I imagine, I don't know for sure, um, but I imagine will mate for life. Um, so once the courtship display sort of starts, it's pretty, uh, and the male starts offering, like, the female gifts, um, it's pretty set that the two of them will mate. Um, yeah, so it's, it's all a formality, but it's important because mm-hmm. it's, you know... It's important. Mm-hmm. I swear some of um, them would like, like some of the males were more excited about feathers. And so they would like bring lots of feathers to their mate. And like their <laughs> nest would be covered in feathers and other ones were oh! more like, I don't, there's like, I don't have scientific evidence, but anecdotally, it seemed like some of them were more into some objects than others. Mm-hmm. Some of them are really into I rocks. believe it. Some are into feathers. Sometimes there were like little bones or like bits of eggshell. <laughs> oh, interesting. From like prior mating mm-hmm. attempts or prior breeding seasons? Yeah. That's pretty nifty. Pretty cute. So while the two of them are doing their sky pointing dance and showing each other their, um, like, and the male is showing off all the stuff that he can bring to build a good nest <laughs> uh, and doing their whole dance ritual, that actually creates the depression in the ground where these two will lay their eggs. Um, I just yeah. imagine his little feet just tapping away. Yeah. And it's like dust flying. And then there's a little depression. <laughs> I know that's probably not how it goes, but that's in my head. What I, I know, yeah. It's very cute regardless. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. And the other cool thing is it's, cool that Maya talked about hybridization because the Nazca boobies will also hybridize but they will hybridize with masked boobies because the two are insanely similar wow Um, in fact the two are classified as yeah the two are classified as the same species up until like 2002 yeah dude cool Um, Nazca boobies also do this thing which is depressing so I'm just warning our listeners it's gonna get sad um, called so we heard about last week with the blue-footed boobies and facultative siblicide. The Nazca boobies have obligative siblicide, oh, which means, no. yeah, uh, regardless of how much food there is or how well conditions are going that year, um, the older chick will kill the younger chick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's sad. Um, so youngest sad. chick and they're is not in- strictly an insurance baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. 
Um, and it's the similar kind of thing that Kristen and Ashley were saying last week, where like they will drag the younger one out of the neck, out of the nest by its neck, and just like leave it, <laughs> um, so that something else will 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 actually finish it off. Uh. Um, but they're not entirely sure like the origins of the phenomena because there have been field experiments done where uh boobies these nazca boobies can feed two chicks without difficulty so it's just kind of interesting i guess they're like not entirely sure how did why they, they started how did or... they figure out that they're capable of feeding two chicks <laughs> they kept putting the you bee know... chick back in the nest oh okay. they <laughs> did they really them. yeah they just kept bringing it back um my uh-huh. understanding was that they were able to feed both chicks but in like when they did that the females experienced reduced fecundity in like Mm. the following year like Mm -hmm. there was like a lag effect because they put so much energy into like feeding the offspring that they were Mm. less Mm. reproductively successful in subsequent years that makes sense i that does make sense i did not see that yeah um in my quick google well ecosia google search of this ah dude um, you should plug ecosia because not enough people use that <laughs> oh yeah ecosia is like google but it actually keeps your privacy and it plants trees yes and actually funds Aww. like good things it's a so, good web browser. use ecosia yeah make it use ecosia instead of google <laughs> yeah hands down it's my default on my laptop as well as on my phone you can get the app for it like the browser app <laughs> it works just like google um okay there was primarily one other thing that I wanted to talk about with Nazca boobies, um, which is uh, their relationship with a bird called the vampire ground finch. Ooh. Ooh. I think I saw a, I don't know, some nature documentary about this. Huh. So good. Yeah. It's so cool. So <laughs> the vampire ground finch is an, native bird to the Galapagos Islands um but this bird <laughs> is so freaking crazy because uh this g- vampire ground finch is very true to its name uh when resources are scarce the vampire ground finch will feed by drinking the blood of the Nazca and blue-footed boobies whoa uh, holy shit yeah also yeah (laughs) also their chicks yeah do they just like peck open a wound on the skin Mm -hmm. okay yeah so they have an incredibly sharp bill like if you look up the vampire ground finch their bills are so sharp um and uh it also apparently sounds when it calls it sounds like a wolf it's like a werewolf vampire hybrid finch yeah it's exactly it's all of the traditional horror (laughs) it's all the traditional horror things all packed into one bird um so yeah it's funny because like finch is not the type of bird i would have pictured (laughs) right um yeah so they will just like peck at the skin of other birds like primarily chicks of the Nazca boobies and uh until the blood is drawn and then we'll drink the blood um yeah it's also thought it's like unclear how this behavior started 
One of the cool theories is that, like, the finch used to eat parasites off of mm. the, like, plumage of the boobies, mm. um, which is wild that they when like it's like the boobies didn't have enough parasites and they were like all right well give me your blood <laughs> mm-hmm. you're next buddy <laughs> that reminds yeah. me of um i think they live in africa oxpeckers like they, <gasps> they're so cool most of the time they're just eating parasites off of you know the ungulates that roam the savannas and whatever but actually they'll mm-hmm. even like break open the skin and create wounds and they'll like keep sort of picking the scabs basically to keep the yeah. blood flowing and they'll like eat the blood yeah of these birds they're fucking the, dirty cheats you know large herbivores which is crazy mm-hmm. yeah chupacabra style yeah <laughs> so cool but they don't suck the bones out of your goats probably mm, no they're a little hopefully not not yet <laughs> give them time give evolution time uh, <laughs> yep <laughs> Um, so yeah, these finches will also eat eggs, and they will steal them. <laughs> Wait, how big are uh, these not finches? Eggs. They're, they're not that big. Um, the vampire finches are, like, average How do they size. steal the eggs? Um, so they'll steal, um, like, other, not booby oh, okay. eggs, but they'll steal other okay. birds' eggs. I was like, just like, what do they do? Eggs. Roll them out of the nest with their little, like, <laughs> face or something? <laughs> Right, like the vampire finch is probably about the size of like, or is probably like half the size of a booby egg because boobies are huge compared to them. Um, but yeah, no, they will. Uh, yeah, blanket adjust. Yeah, so they will. They will feed on eggs by stealing them and then rolling them by like pushing mm-hmm. them with their legs and their beaks um, into rocks until they break. Nice, wow. and then we'll wow. eat the eggs. Smart. Yeah. These birds are metal. But so yeah. cool to watch. Um, <laughs> we should do a Darwin's Finch episode because Ooh, that yeah. would actually be really cool. Oh, yeah. Or several episodes. I mean, Oh my maybe. god. <laughs> we should also talk about how, wasn't it Darwin actually like wrote about magpies and then later somebody wrote about finches? Oh, this Am is I ringing. Fucking... This is ringing bells. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Was it ton, mockingbirds rather than magpies? Maybe so. I don't remember. I don't know. The mockingbirds on the Galapagos, uh, well, at least on like Isla Española where I was, were some of my mm-hmm. very favorite birds. <laughs> They're so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, that's so awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Galapagos. We should just do a whole series of episodes on the Galapagos. Oh they're yeah, fuck yeah, that would be a g- yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'll add it to the list. Um, Totally. Um, so the Nazca booby is considered a species of least concern. However, there is somewhat of a caveat to that because um, Nazca boobies are extremely reliant on sardines as a food source, or, which has been rapidly declining uh, due to the growing fishing industry in that part of the Pacific Ocean. Um, and so while the population is currently stable, it is projected to be quite impacted by the increased amount of sardine fishing in this area um, because they have not so far Kristen correct me if I'm wrong they have not so far switched any of their food sources to like anchovies although they will eat squid and some other seafaring uh, foods but they their primary intake or their primary source of nutrition is still sardines 
I I'm trying to remember what all we were finding in their diets when so we did some diet sampling when we were out there um and I can't honestly I can't remember we definitely found (laughs) like cephalopods like there were squids pretty frequently um Mm -hmm. but yeah I can't remember I thought that they had a lot of them had switched over to uh to anchovies but I don't remember actually finding that many anchovies we found mackerel to some extent but yeah I mean they'll eat fish if they can find it basically (laughs) but yeah yeah I mean I think like mm -hmm. Maya was saying like El Nino and La Nina are huge for basically every species of seabird like El Nino means the water is warm which means there's less turnover of the water and so that's hard for seabirds to find prey because the prey is deeper um Mm -hmm. and la nina Mm -hmm. is like the opposite so like la nina years like the birds reproduce like gangbusters like they have so many babies uh, because the water's cold and so there's like upwelling and so the prey are shallower and easier Mm -hmm. for seabirds to access um so those are huge and then yeah the, the sardine anchovy regime thing is also a pretty big deal for boobies in particular yeah um oh yeah okay so maya asked about how fast you think the Peruvian movies can go. Yeah. Okay. How? How? Okay. When Nazca boobies plunge dive. Ooh. How deep do you think they can get into the water? Just from the plunge dive, not from like pursuing fish, mm-hmm. or like after they miss the first time. Like, how deep do you think they can get from a plunge dive? I'm not gonna answer because I'm pretty sure I know. Do you? Okay. <laughs> I don't want to ruin it. I don't know. I wanted to say like 30 feet and then I was like, no, I want to say 100 feet. <laughs> Between 30 and 100 Yeah. Feet. <laughs> it's a pretty <laughs> narrow window, all things considered. <laughs> really hedging the bets here. <laughs> well, um, with how deep the ocean goes, you know, yeah. that's a pretty, uh, <laughs> Two pretty narrow window. Two miles deep. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> holy shit i'm just imagining them like way in like the deep part of the ocean now. Yeah. <laughs> with like lantern fish and like all those crazy deep sea oh, yeah creatures. right they're in like the marianas trench yeah, yeah. yeah all those animals that just like really like scary kind of stoic and scary and then just like a booby <laughs> also being stoic and scary <laughs> okay um, how far i need your final answers um, 60 feet. Ashley? I told you, 30 or 100. It's one of those <laughs> no, two. You pick. That's too wide of a spread. No, I commit. didn't say you between. I said it's one of them. So Okay, well, which one? Pick one. 30 or 100? I'm going to say 100. You want to say 100? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they can go as deep as 30 meters, which is about 98 feet. Dude, my first guess wow. was like 30 yeah. meters, and I was like, I can't convert that <gasps> to feet in my head. So I was like, I don't know. But I wasn't going to say 30. Whoa. Should have done done it. it. It's okay. I forgive you. I was pretty close. Anyways. Yeah. So they will do this in pursuit of uh, squid and sardines and anchovies and also flying fish. Mm. They eat flying fish. Oh, yeah. That was the one that we found in their diets a lot, too. Yeah, yeah. For real. Surprisingly, a large amount of flying fish. Yes. Um, we should also talk um, about how incredibly insane 
uh like booby mouths are and like the size of fish that they can ingest for the size that it seems like their bills probably are it just always blew my mind how they like fucking unhinge their jaws and eat these enormous fish that Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like they should be able to eat Mm. maybe Um, maybe we could look it up and talk about it next episode yeah oh we could look it up and talk about it more next time yeah just google pictures of it it's mind-blowing there must be pictures (laughs) i don't know know if that actually has to do with the gular sack or if that's like a separate thing but sorry this dog bowl situation (laughs) it's it's wonderful yeah but i mean it's almost like pelican like like underneath their bill how much that that area like there's loose skin that can expand Mm -hmm. and allow them to eat really big fish Mm -hmm. and it's really impressive Mm. I'm looking at this to see if I can find the ideal prey size, mm. like fish or squid prey size for boobies, and I'm not, or for Nazcas, and I'm not finding a ton, unfortunately. Mm. But perhaps. I will wow, this be able is to a this it. is a throwback to episode one for us. Yes, what <laughs> the poo two? Is that the right one? <laughs> what was it? A throwback. Episode one or two, <laughs> or when, three? What? It might have been three. Was it the Halloween episode where we talk about like Poo-Tos unhinging their jaws? Mm. Oh, oh no, no, I that was, was thinking about uh, Ashley's uh, the Malibu Stork. Oh, the oh, Malibu Stork. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right, right. Oh my god. <laughs> I like Malibu yeah. Stork better. <laughs> It sounds tropical. I'm into it. I it's remember like, like Malibu we're Barbie. About how you spell that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, I want a Marabou Stork Barbie doll. Aww. Whoa, with its weird that would Malibu be kind of cool. Blow a penis neck. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, that was actually all that I had for Nazca boobies. Unless Kristen, you have some wonderful anecdotes about Nazca boobies. I mean. I don't think so. All I can think of now is like the little little beta chicks getting eaten by other things. Oh, <laughs> and those, beta those chicks. stories are just sad. But yeah. At least the ones mm-hmm. that got eaten didn't just die from sitting in the sun. Mm-hmm. I mean, that too. Yeah, Aww. but it, it really I guess depends. they could get eaten after they die from sitting in the sun, but. If- you know, y'all are doing a really good job of ending this episode on a high note. Oh, wait. Okay. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. I thought of a better story. Okay. Uh, okay. What's your better okay. story? The year that I was on the island uh, in the Galapagos, there was a pair of gay male boobies that were <gasps> nesting together. Yes. Um... And it was the cutest thing. Like, oh. we surveyed them probably like 10 times. So the goal was always to figure out like who both of the pair members were. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they'd usually take like 24 hour ish incubation shifts. So like one day it would be the male on the nest and the next day it would be the female. And mm-hmm. for a while it was like every day was the male. And then eventually, like once we got their band combos and everything, we were like, oh shit, it's two males that Did are they? switching. Yeah! Like they're doing all the things they're supposed to do on their nest. Um, they're switching their incubation shit. I mean, they didn't have an egg, but like uh, one of them aww. would monitor the nest and the other one would go out and forage and then they would swap. Aww. <laughs> Aww. And it was the cutest. Yep. Did you guys have like given them an egg or something? 
We did give them a beta chick. So we gave them an egg. Um, the egg that we gave them was probably not fertile. Like it was one that had fallen out of a nest. Uh, um, and um. it had already been sitting there for like several days. But we gave them an egg just because we were curious whether they would actually like sh- switch their incubation shifts like they were so- like a pair normally mm-hmm. would. And they totally oh. did. Like, I actually have almost zero doubt that they would have been capable of raising nice. a chick. Like, I think they probably could have done it. Wow. Um, that is so wonderful. Yeah, well, and, like, for other species, sometimes that's actually a conservation measure. Like, there are sometimes female-female pairs, and mm-hmm. so they're capable of, like, they'll mate, uh, like, outside, like, an extra pair copulation, and then they'll lay an egg, and then two females can raise that chick together. And so it's a really good way to, like, boost population numbers if there's not enough males for all of the females to mate. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I know albatrosses do that sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, They're dude. So, cute. so being queer is fucking saving seabirds, and I'm all Hell about yeah. it. <laughs> all the gay birds. Um, yeah, I'm looking at time. Oh yeah, we're fucking on it. Nailed it. Okay. Um, so thank you everyone for listening to part two of the booby episode series. Um, we'll be back next week with more fabulous boobies. <laughs> Um. <laughs> in addition to our own <laughs> in addition to our own of course <laughs> you don't get to see ours though because no. no. uh, we're on a talking medium and also we we don't know you that well yeah so. yeah <laughs> we're doing that we're doing that u.s shyness thing we were talking about earlier i guess uh-huh. Uh-huh. um i have a couple of shout outs i did not prepare this earlier because my phone was outside of my little tent (laughs) (laughs) nothing outside the blanket fort exists nothing nothing outside the blanket fort alrighty um oh we have so many okay um (laughs) yeah I might remove my blanket now that we're towards the end of an episode yeah it's gonna be good enough sorry Um, everyone I'm sweating yeah we did we did good audio we're out we are out of our little um let's be real no one listens pods. to this part of the podcast anyway <laughs> yeah yes. they're done they're done <laughs> oh my gosh so we took uh last week off mm-hmm. the week before last off and oh my gosh there are a lot of people i don't know if you have to read them all no i don't oh that's right that's right we were only i was only gonna read a few of them mm-hmm. um okay so huge thank you to our great friend dexter patterson dexter. or at i am dexter p ow, ow. on twitter um thank you to garrett or at hecker 71 thank you again to the u.s fashion wildlife service or at usfws Whoa. on twitter thank you to the pele island bird observatory or at pele island bird and thank you to i just want to say this one because it's adorable um thank you to monty the piping plover on twitter or at monty plover yeah, he's the good little plover monty and i think rose they nested in chicago a little, His little bio piping is- plover family <laughs> I know. So uh, we have a pigeon follower and a piping plover well, follower. See, the piping this plover followed us because I followed them first, and that's just Twitter. That's adorable. Oh, still counts. Done. Yeah. Oh, and nice. our last shout out goes to Berloge de la Mondor at Bird No Moge. 
on Twitter. Thank you, everybody, so much. If you want another, sh- if you want a shout out on our podcast, you should probably interact with us at any of our social media handles. What are our social media handles? Pop quiz. <laughs> Wait, who's going? Maya's putting speak? her finger I feel on like her. Ashley did it last week. Yeah. No, Kristen, you did it last no. week. I, did. I well, think we all same. did it last week, except Jen, and then Here's she the laughed deal. at us. No. Here's yeah, the deal. The two of you, wreck. <laughs> Kristen and Ashley, talked over each other last week, so I had to pick one, and I picked Kristen, and Ashley did the website. <laughs> So, one of you, only one of you, at a time. They're all the same now. It's. T- I know. I can never remember if it's just Flocktails or Flocktail Hour, because we changed it. Um. So Kristen is nodding and shaking her head. What are they, Kristen? We are at Flocktail Hour on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, mm-hmm. and FlocktailHour.com. Mm-hmm. Yep. And on Threadless. Yes. Woo! Indeed. And Flocktails Podcast yes. at Gmail if you want to mm-hmm. hit us up on email, which you should because we just don't get enough emails. We don't. We've gotten mostly emails from my mom. Thanks, mom. <laughs> yeah, Jen's Aww. mom. Mama Jen. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Everybody met my mom last week over Zoom. And apparently we're a lot alike. Mm-hmm. It was a dream come true. <laughs> it was great. Was that? <laughs> Yes, <laughs> met all my expectations, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we made. Yeah, I don't... we also made Jen show us her pets. My mom's pets. Yes, one of them being the dog that replaced me. Um, well, we should sign off. Yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Yeah, uh, I'm Maya Pershy. <laughs> I'm Jen Schneiderman. I'm Kristen Frank, and I'm Ashley Ola. <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs> 